In today's show, I'm looking ahead at the NBA's first round playoff matchups and giving my predictions and uh, previews, I guess. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today, what we're going to be doing is looking at the NBA playoffs. Before I do that, though, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. Of course, um, we have the NBA Awards finalists announced today. If you want my thoughts on that, you can go and check the show that I did two days ago where I gave out my top three for each award and a top five for MVP. Some of my top threes differ from the awards. My most improved, my um, I think my, my MVP and Rookie of the Year were the same. My most improved, my sixth man of the year, my coach of the year, my defensive player of the year all differed slightly. Um, from those, and you can hear my explanations for those over on that show, uh, if you want to hear those thoughts there. But what we're going to do now is look at the playoff picture. Now, I am recording this before the final play-in game. So when we're looking at who the one seed needs to battle, I'll be giving analysis on both options. Because I didn't want to wait until you know those games, give this a little bit more time to breathe, two or three days out there, and also on the weekend. Uh, before those games, I'm not really going to have time to record that after the play-in games are done. So that's how we're going to look at this right now. Let's go to the Eastern Conference first. The Philadelphia 76ers will be playing either the Indiana Pacers or the Washington Wizards. That game is on today. And at the time of me recording this, I don't know who's going to win that matchup. But I don't think it's going to matter for Philadelphia at all. I think the Sixers are going to win that series pretty comfortably. They have, obviously, an MVP finalist in Joel Embiid. They have a Defensive Player of the Year finalist. Wouldn't have been one of mine, but I think he was like fourth or fifth on my list. Um, and that's Ben Simmons. They should be getting healthy at this point. They had some issues towards the end of the year with guys like Curry and Simmons and Embiid and all those guys missing some time. Um, they've had time off to rest. Uh, the Thick Hogsman's there, Tobias Harris. They've got one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, Matisse Thybul as well. Um, you have rookies who can come in for spot minutes with uh, guys like Tyrese Maxey, who played exceptionally well, versus a Pacers team that won't have TJ Warren, it won't have Miles Turner, um, and a Wizards team that obviously has Bradley Beal, who's still dealing with a hamstring injury, and Russell Westbrook. But who the hell is stopping uh, Joel Embiid? Alex Len? Daniel Gafford? Robin Lopez? DeMontis Sabonis? Like, the answer to that is nobody from any of those teams. So I, I don't really think that it matters whether it is um, Indiana or whether it is uh, Washington that, that's playing them. Now, the Pacers did beat the Sixers uh, once this year. That, so the, the Philadelphia was 2-1 and one in that matchup. Um, the last one, that was May the 11th, where Indiana beat Philadelphia. Philadelphia was sort of not struggling towards the end of the year, but they didn't have huge um, motivations, I guess. We also don't know the status of Indiana, for, of Karis LeVert, who's out in... Well, actually, we do know he's not going to be available for the beginning of the playoffs, which start on the weekend. So that's going to make you know, Brogdon and Sabonis really those only two guys that, that have that option there. 
Philadelphia swept the Wizards this season. There was only one that was a blowout. There was a six-point win and a five-point win. Um, yeah, but I just, I, I don't, I don't know who is stopping um, Embiid. Uh, yeah, you can say who's stopping yeah, Beal and Westbrook, but I think Thibault, um and Simmons and the addition of George Hill there helps too. I, I just don't. So I, I think it's it's going to be more likely to be a sweep for Philadelphia than it is to be a six-game series, regardless of if it's the Pacers or if it's the Wizards in that series. Let me know what you think about that one down below in the comments. This next one I think is pretty straightforward. Brooklyn and Boston, the 2-7 series. Uh, I think it's a sweep. I think Brooklyn wins this one really easily. Boston, Robert Williams isn't going to be ready to play or definitely not at full strength. Of course, Jalen Brown is out. We saw the the uh, Celtics beat the Wizards comfortably, which was something that I expected in that playing game, but that, this is a very different situation. Yes, James Harden, Kevin Durant, these guys are underdone. They haven't played a huge amount of basketball, but they're James Harden and Kevin Durant and they're Kyrie Irving, and Joe Harris is healthy, and there's athletic big men like Nick Claxton there. There's yeah, the passing ability and offensive smarts of Blake Griffin. Jeff Green pinch hits. Hopefully they don't use DeAndre Jordan at all. But when we're talking about guys like, you know, who, who is stopping Harden and Irving? Marcus Smart, sure, he can't stop all of them. Tatum's a pretty good defender, but you're going to throw Shemi Ojale out there? They're going to have to play Grant Williams quite a bit at center, I think, because I don't know what the hell Tristan Thompson's going to do in this matchup, and they don't have Rob Williams. Is it going to be Luke Cornett that gets those minutes? They're going to go and play Shemi Ojale at the four or at the five? I, I just don't know how Boston gets close, really. Maybe they lose a game here, Brooklyn. I think they steamroll them, to be honest. They swept them during the regular season. Um, Boston has not really clicked much at all, and now they're going in undermanned as well without Brown and without Williams, two of their, you know, well, you know, obviously Brown's their best, second best player, um, and Williams is probably their sixth or fifth best player. Yeah, it's really tough to go up against one of the best offensive teams literally of all time. Um, and I, I just, you can talk about the Nets' defense as much as you want. I, I don't care because Boston's defense cannot stop Brooklyn, I don't think. So I have Brooklyn going with the sweep there. The next two are tough, like really, really tough to me. We've got Milwaukee and Miami. Obviously, Miami beat Milwaukee comfortably last season in the playoffs. Um, they were beating them before Yanni got hurt, but then when he got hurt, it was pretty much impossible. These are different teams, quite quite obviously. We've got no Wes Matthews on Milwaukee, a larger role for Dante DiVincenzo. We've got Bobby Portis doing his thing off the bench. I think most importantly, the addition, we've got PJ Tucker who can come in there and be that defensive guy, whether it's on Butler or stopping Bam or whatever they need to do. Yeah, Tucker gives them that ability to play some switching defense, even though Milwaukee has struggled at times with switches uh, when they've been trying to implement that. Something they never did is always drop coverage that they use, but now they're trying to do a little bit more switching. But PJ is that guy that can do that. And of course, they have Drew Holiday now. Like that is a huge, huge change. Having a guy like Drew who, yeah, I left him off my all defensive teams. I probably shouldn't have. Yeah, I could have easily had him over DeJounte Murray. And in hindsight, I, I I could go back and forth on that and put Drew in there. Like, he is an excellent defender. That makes a big difference to me. Miami's not the same either. Now, they struggled through big chunks of this season. But a stat that's been doing the rounds a lot is that Jimmy Butler played one game versus the top three teams in, in the East. One out of 12. So against Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee, he played one game. And that was the game against Milwaukee that they won to put them into this matchup. Butler's obviously been awesome in, in the games he's played this year. Adebayo has taken a step forward. Trevor Ariza is filling the Jay Crowder role, which gave the Bucks so many problems. But we know that even Ariza, like Crowder, he can be. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Did that even come through? Oh, no. Oh, no, it did come through. I just couldn't hear it for some reason. 
There we go. We're all good. We did hear we did hear um, a Gattuso there. Um, yeah, Tyler Hero hasn't been at his best. There's going to be no Victor Oladipo. There's Dragic, who really carried this Miami team through stretches last year. I'm not sure he's got that in him. But you know, if I was to look at this and say Miami wins, that's not a surprise to me at all. I I think that there is yeah a, a, a massive a larger likelihood of Miami winning this in six than there is say in Milwaukee winning it in five. Like I think that Miami's got a much bit better chance of winning it than the Bucks winning this easily. So this is a really, really tight series. I am taking Milwaukee in seven. Now, in preparation for this show, I've gone back and forth on this. I was going to take Miami in seven. I was going to take Milwaukee in six. Um, I, I really was really close to doing Miami in seven, like super close to it. But in the end, I am going to take, I think that just that Drew Holiday addition, I think is just enough for me to say that Milwaukee gets the edge in seven games over the Miami Heat. Guys, you know, we have stresses in our everyday life, whether that's physical, mental, there's so many different things, but yeah, there's so much stuff that can create problems with your body. And if you're just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. These things are unbelievable. That you know, percussive bang, bang, bang into your muscles, it really does release that tension. And I, I get plenty of tension in my body from you know, having a job where I have to sit and then going out and uh, you know, coaching uh, football where I've got to be running around and moving with the kids and I come home going, oh my God, I'm so sore. The Theragun, the Gen 4 Theragun, it doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of that pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers. And me, try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Okay, the last matchup is one. You know, I said I debate. Like I didn't debate the Sixers one or the Nets one at all. Like that was just straightforward. The Bucks and Miami was tough. This one's the hardest one. Atlanta and New York. The Knicks have home court advantage. The Knicks swept the Hawks during the regular season. But I'm still, I still don't know. And in the end, I have settled on Atlanta winning in seven. I could not be less confident about this one. Um. I think I guess I worry a little bit about um, how how your yeah, Trey Young is going to be officiated um, and how he look in the last game that they won the Knicks it was a game where Young was dominating and the Hawks would win but then he uh, sprained his ankle and missed like the last quarter and a half of the game and yeah the Knicks got over the line so I think yeah, that that sweep is a little bit misleading. The Hawks also now have DeAndre Hunter back played 24 minutes in his last regular season game. If he's playing 30 minutes a night in the playoffs, which I think they're going to try to push him to, we've got 44% shooting Bogdan Bogdanovich. DeAndre Hunter's ability to get out there and shoot well and be an offensive option as well as a really good defensive player. Um, Clint Capella rolling. Uh, I think that that changes the calculus versus where we saw uh, Atlanta and the Knicks during the season. This is not to minimize what New York has done this year. I will be... I, I, I look To be honest, I might change my mind if we get the Knicks game one starting lineup and Alfred Payton isn't in it. I just think playing him those 12 minutes is absolutely ridiculous. It is useless. It has no benefit at all. And those 12 to 15 minutes that he plays are 12 to 15 minutes that they're basically losing every game. So if, if Tom Thibodeau makes a move that he should have made five months ago, so, and, I, and, I, and this is part of why I'm not picking the Knicks, is I don't have confidence for Tibbs to make this adjustment. 
because he hasn't done it, even though that evidence has been in his face, like dog's balls, all season. Has not made that move. And if he does a Scott Brooks and goes out and starts Alfred Payton in this game and and you know, doesn't make that adjustment, say, look, he does it game one, they lose and then do, keeps doing it every game and they go, get into a hole. That's my concern is that he is extraordinarily stubborn with these decisions. Alec Burks, Emmanuel Quickly, Frank Nilakina, all of these are better options at Alfred Payton. So while I'm not hanging my result on um, the Alfred Payton decision, in a series that I think is this close, where literally one game is deciding it, it's a best of seven, four, three type result, yeah, that one game lost could be the difference. I do worry a little bit about how Atlanta is going to match up with Julius Randle. What what do they do to stop him? But you know, so look, if Randall Randall's had some real efficiency issues over the last two months of the season, Barrett can be hot and cold. Look, if those guys are on, then I think that changes things quite a bit. But I'm not sure we'd rely upon that especially when everything sort of devolves into Julius Randle ISO at the end of the game. And he's been excellent at that. Who do the Hawks do want, do, do there? Who do they put out on him? Um, yeah, you think it's got to be Hunter uh, or Capella. It can't be Collins. Um, yeah, I just, think they've, I just think that Atlanta's got that advantage with these guys like Bogdanovich, who again, ramping up at the end of the season. Um, I think he only played in one of those games, Bogdanovich. Um, you DeAndre Hunter, DeAndre Hunter, who played in only one of these games. Um, the play of Clint Capella, who I had second in defensive player of the year. And then the issue with how much uh, Alfred Payton plays. I don't have huge amounts of confidence in Nate McMillan in the playoffs. His playoff record has been horrendous. But I don't have too many questions about what the Hawks' rotation needs to be in these playoffs that have, gives me that same concern as it does for Tommy Thibodeau. All right. So that's my East Conference. Let's look at the Western Conference playoffs. Now, again, I don't know who gets the eighth seed. And that changes things quite a bit in terms of how I see the series going. The Warriors and the Grizzlies, they play each other tomorrow for that final spot. I think if the Warriors win, which I fully expect them to do, it's a tough series for the Jazz. The Warriors were real, real close to knocking off the Lakers in that, in that playing game. They ended up losing by three. Um, and that could have been a lot, lot tighter. I think there is, you know, it's not hard to squint and see the Warriors beating the Jazz in seven. It, 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 I'd give it a 5% chance of happening, but it's not impossible. Grizzlies beating the Jazz, zero chance. Like, no chance at all. I think if Memphis gets through, that Utah will smash them, beat them 4-0. I just think that that is, yeah, this Donovan Mitchell's going to be back for Utah. Mike Conley is back for Utah. Memphis, um, yeah, they, they smashed the Spurs as they should have. And the matchups were you know, relatively tight during the season. But with the way that Morant has had some struggles, um, Jaron Jackson's still working his way back in. Um, yeah, Dylan Brooks' hot and coldness in terms of shooting and yeah, paired with high usage, even though he's been, he was excellent in that game against San Antonio. Uh, defensively, he's been pretty good as well. I, I just think, yeah, how do we, how do we stop, um, how, how do you stop guys? Like, how do you stop Gobert defensive? Like, how do you get around him? How do you stop Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Ingles, Clarkson, Conley? There's just a lot of weapons that the Jazz have, and they're a really good defensive team. And they finish, what, you know, 14 games higher. So I'll give the Jazz a 4-0 sweep there. The Warriors, I think the Jazz beat them in six. Um, yeah, I think the Jazz can get them in six there. But the, the, the Steph factor is huge. The Warriors are a very different team than what we saw for the first three months of the season when Draymond was coming back from COVID and an injury. 
Steph had the bruised tailbone, and James Wiseman was playing. Steph's healthy, Draymond's healthy, Wiseman's out. They are all three big positives for the Warriors playing better. I don't know if Kelly Oubre is going to return, but he's also been a negative factor for much of this season. Wiggins, Green, Curry have been playing at a very high level. Looney's doing what he needs to do. Bazemore's doing what he needs to do. Toscano Anderson's been solid. Now, I don't know how Juan's going to go in a matchup against the Jazz, and I don't think that's going to hold up particularly well. But I do think that they can take some games off Utah, make it scary. Curry can go for 50 in this one, like multiple times, I think. And that can that's going to put fear into this Utah team. But I do think Utah gets over the top in six games if it is the Golden State Warriors that they need to match up against. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You can bet on the Jazz being the Warriors. You can bet on the Warriors being the Grizzlies if you want to bet online. Get all that latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC action. You can bet on whatever it is that you want on betonline.com. So let's have a look if we can... Um, I'm trying to see if we can find the, the odds there, but... The odds aren't working. That's fine. We'll get back to that later on. Anyway, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams really fire up for the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using our promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. All right, so tell me, if you are watching this again, leave comments. What do you think about my E-Series? What do you think about that Jazz Warriors or Jazz Grizzlies? But most importantly, what do you think about this one? The Suns in the two seed, the Lakers in the seven. AD, Schroeder, LeBron, they were shithouse in the first half, half of that game against the Warriors. Schroeder didn't really improve. Andre Drummond was pretty bad again. And much like the Tom Thibodeau scenario, the Lakers have the lineup that can really, really do damage. And it involves not playing Drummond and Harrell. It involves Gasol if you want to use a center. Or it involves playing kids. Cover your ears. Frank, listen. Frank Vogel, listen. It involves playing your best fucking center at fucking center. Anthony Davis, I don't want to play center. I don't give a shit tone. Play. That is who should be their center. And when those lineups get out there, they roll. But do we have to put up with 22 minutes of Andre Drummond? 17 minutes of Montrez Harrell getting cooked? Maybe. And that's because I think there is that level of stubbornness there with Davis, with Vogel. And it, and during the playoffs last year, he sort of went away from that. But now he's got three centers to deal with. And not, they're not Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. Guys, you can easily say, hey, Tony, like, Tone Davis, have a look at these, have a look at these blokes. Like, can you get out there? Whereas Davis is going to go, man, Drummond, all-star, man. He's, he's awesome, man. He can go do this. He can't. He can't do it. Um, I think the Lakers probably go into this series favorites. And I, I totally get that. Because they've got LeBron. And they've got Anthony Davis. And that and that's totally fine. Alex Crusoe playing at a high level. KCP shooting unbelievably. There is a lot, lot going right here. But the Lakers also have struggled for the second half of the season. Injuries are a huge factor in that. There's no doubt about that at all. And this is a Suns team that does lack playoff experience. But you've got Chris Paul, you've got Jay Crowder, two of their main pieces who are, you know. Got a lot of playoff experience. We know that you know Crowder was one of the key factors in taking Miami to the finals last year. And Chris Paul's been around the league forever. Of course, he's never been in the NBA finals, but he's got plenty of playoff experience and a guy that actually plays well. Despite the narrative, he is a very, very good playoff player. Devin Booker's first go at it. Bridges' first go at it. Cam Johnson, we assume he's going to be back. We don't know. DeAndre Ayton and his 7% usage, his first go at it. Although Aiton has played well defensively and with rebounding, and he's doing pretty well. But offensively, there's another discussion there. I do think that this is 
going to be a great series. Probably the one I'm most interested to see. I, I think, well, the Suns have been awesome all season. They have defied expectations. I worry quite a bit about what happens when they go to Dario Saric at center. Because if they don't go to Dario Saric at center, it means they're going to Frank Kaminsky at center, which I don't know which one's worse. And if the, the Lakers take advantage of that and say, well, Anthony Davis is playing center, uh, I think they're kind of fucked, to be honest. But dude, how does that work? That's the concern. And I reckon if you ask me this in two days, I might look at it and go, maybe the Lakers get it in six. And that is, it feels disrespectful to Phoenix, who have been you know, battling for the one seed all year. But I, I, I just I just worry. Is Crowder stopping LeBron? Probably not. Bridges? It's probably got to be Bridges, but you know, they feel good about it. Aiden, I think, can match up on Davis, all right. But still, it's a tough, it's a tough ass battle to be a team one game away from being the number one seed, having to take on the defending champs. The next one I think is a tough one as well. The three six, Portland and Denver. Now, if Jamal Murray was healthy, if we knew that Will Barton was playing, which he says he's ready for game one, I'm not sure how good he's going to be. Um, the Nuggets would win it in six. Jamal Murray's not playing. Barton says he'll be back. We don't know if PJ Dozier's there, who can be a pretty good wing defender. And what do you need? You need guard and wing defenders against the Blazers because their best two scorers are Lillard and McCullum. So who is who are you throwing there? Faku? Faku's pretty small. He's a decent defender. Monty Morris? Barton? Dozier? Like, they're your other two options, but they're hurt. Austin Rivers? Yeah, Rivers might have to play a role in this series as a pretty good defensive guard. But that, that that's the worry I have. Stopping Jokic is tough. Nurkic can be pretty okay at that. I would hate to see what happens if Cantor gets matched up against Jokic, although post-defense, he's not too bad. Jokic is the clear best player in this series, best player in the NBA, really, at this point. Um, I know you'll argue with that. I know you'll argue with that, but yeah, he's going to win the MVP. And he can be tough to stop. But you know, the defensive prowess of an Aaron Gordon, where does he fit? Do you need him to guard Robert Covington? Does Can he do anything on Lillard? Powell? Is it needed on Powell? Is he sort of just the man that's lost in this matchup? That's the, that's the worry I have. There is The, the Blazers don't have forward-sized guys that the Nuggets got someone like Aaron Gordon to guard. Doncic, Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron. Like That's Gordon's role. Can he do it on Lillard? Probably not. If there was Jamal Murray here, again, I would take Denver pretty comfortably. And I can easily see Denver winning this. But I do think Portland, who's playing quite well, Lillard's back in business. Nurkic is playing his best basketball of the season. I think Portland will get this one uh, in seven. The last series I'm going to cover here is probably the least interesting, almost. The Clippers and the Mavericks. I uh, love Doncic. I love him. I think he's a great player. Um, Porzingis can get really hot. I, I just don't think they've got any chance of beating the Clippers. I, I just I, I just don't see it. Serge Barker's back. Patrick Beverly's back. Kawhi and Paul George have been going half pace for, for two, three weeks. Terrence Mann is a guy they can throw in. Rondo can come in and give them some decent minutes as a ball handler. Luke Kennard, if you need some hot shooting, can come in at times as well. Marcus Morris, Nick Batum providing his value. Um, if it's a Zubat, it's an NBA quality starting center. Whereas the Mavericks are going to be, what, throwing out Dwight Powell? Muxy Kleber's not healthy. How do they stop... If Finney Smith, yeah, maybe he can do something on Paul George and Kawhi, but how do they stop the other one of them? Kleber's not up to it at this point because of his injury. I think he's a good defender. He's not up to it with this injury at this point. 
You're relying on Tim Hardaway being incendiarily hot, which he has been over the last two weeks, I think, to get close. And you, just with Doncic alone, I give them a game. I, I, I can't see it pushing to six, to be honest. I think Clippers are going to win this one fairly comfortably and set themselves up with a matchup against the Jazz, most likely in round two. All right, let me know. What do you think? I will I will come back and do, I think, a round two preview. Uh, at some point, if not, I'll, I'll put it out on socials or who I'm picking in each series. But let me know what you think about the winners of each series that I got. I picked, what, two of the lower seeds winning in Portland and Atlanta. I can see Miami as a six seed winning as well. I can see the Lakers as a seven seed winning. So that's how I've got it. What do you think of the series picks? Let me know in the comments below, but also follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app while on YouTube. Hit thumbs up, leave your comments down below. Ring my ding-a-ling bell. You know how good it feels. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.